We come uh, this morning to the start of Missions Month, and it's my privilege uh, to open God's Word with you this morning as we kick this off. We'll be in uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Would you pray with me as we get going? Heavenly Father, we come this morning appraising you, rejoicing, having lifted up our prayers to you, having sung of your glory, of your greatness, of your majesty, of your love. We come now asking uh, that you would be with us as we open your word, that you, O Holy Spirit, would use it this morning uh, to convict us and to draw us in a deeper faith and reliance upon Christ, our Savior. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So we kick off Missions Month. Um, just a reminder this morning, really, as to what, what are the priorities of uh, the mission. We're going to look at 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4 because it's the last kind of writing we have. It's not kind of, it is the last written word we have from the Apostle Paul that survived before his death. These are his final words. His final words are to Timothy, this young man who he is um, looking to as his kind of heir apparent in the mission. And he's giving Timothy, these are the priorities, Timothy, that you need to embody and remember. And so if you are willing and able, would you stand with me as we read from God's word? We're not going to read all of 2 Timothy 4, just the first eight verses. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come, and I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is God's word. It's without error in any part. It's given for his glory and for our good. Have a seat. So the priorities of the mission, you can even maybe call it the packing list for the trip of life. I um, was scrolling this week on, on social media and a comedian that I follow had posted a sketch comedy bit of himself and then he, he plays both characters in it and he uses a, a filter to change his face and his voice up. But they're sitting in a truck outside of uh, Home Depot and they're talking um, to each other, reminding each other that we, we, we've got we to remember our priorities, what we're going in here for. And we've got to stick to the plan. And they're going back and forth about it. And then one of them says, so what are we going to do if, if we see the other one and they're not sticking to the plan? And the crazier one of the two says, I'm going to slap you and, and tell you to stick to the plan. And he's like, don't slap me. No, just remind me to stick to the plan. Remind me why we're here. Remind me to stick to the priorities that we have. And then it cuts and it cuts to them walking back to the truck and then they're back in the truck and they both have this look on their face of like, what happened? 
And if you're a, a guy like, like me and you go into Home Depot, this probably happens to you often. And you wonder, how did I go to pick up a piece of PVC and end up with a new grill and a power tool and $1,000 on, the, on the, the checkout bill? And, and of course, they go back and forth and they're like, what happened? And one of them's like, we didn't stick to the plan. And the other one's like, we lost sight of the priorities. What are you going to tell your wife? He's like, I don't know. And then when he says, why do I have a Brad nailer? And the other guy says, when did we start naming nails? And it kind of cuts. But, but that happens. We, we, we lose sight of the priorities and, and we end up with all this other junk in our carts. And, and, and we end up not even accomplishing. Sometimes you go in for something, you lose sight of what you're there because of the shiny grills over here or the, the power tools that you think you might need. Someday down in the future, you know, you're going to find a use for it. So you justify the purchase, but you leave and you didn't even pick up the thing you were there for. And when we lose sight of the priorities of the mission, we often end up not even accomplishing the mission. So what are these priorities? Well, the first one is the priority of hope. When we're on the mission, we have to make hope a priority for ourselves and for those that we're proclaiming the gospel to. We see it first off in in, in verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing and his kingdom. Paul's writing this from a dungeon, a jail cell in Rome. He's days or weeks, maybe at the most months, from death. He knows that life has not been easy for him. He knows that, that Timothy is, is suffering in many ways like he was, being persecuted, being hunted at times, being spoken out against by folks he thought were his friends and his colleagues and co-laborers. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, I charge you what? In the presence of God and Christ Jesus. God is with us. God is with you, Timothy. Timothy, in in the hardship that's to come when I am gone, God is with you. Have hope. And we we know that this is something that Paul himself is latching onto because later in this chapter, as he's writing in verses 16 to 18, he talks about that, that, that no one came to stand with him, that all of his friends deserted him. He said, but the Lord stood by. But the Lord stood by in verse 17 and strengthened me. Timothy, the Lord is with you. In his presence, I charge you. In his presence, you live your life on mission. But second, not just that he's with you now in the hardship and the suffering and the pain and the difficulty. He wants Timothy to have a different horizon in life. To be looking towards a different future. He says not only in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, but in his appearing in his kingdom to come. Timothy, don't take your eyes off the fact that that Christ is going to return, that your present suffering, that the difficulty that you're in right now will end. That's the hope, Timothy, that we live out of, that we live in, that the promises of Christ that he will return are true. And look, if you're here this morning and you're in whatever stage of life it is, and there is difficulty, and there is pain, and there is suffering, and you're struggling. Hear Paul's words to Timothy. God is with you, standing by you, strengthening you. But don't also forget that that pain and that suffering that you're to endure is temporary. It's not lasting. Timothy, there's another horizon to keep your eyes on, to look out for, 
It's the one where Christ promises to end all suffering, to end all sin, to end all shame, to wipe away every tear. If you're not a believer this morning, that's a hope that I I think should be enticing. That you have a God who cares enough to be present, but also a God who promises that it'll end. That the pain, that the shame, that the guilt, that it will end one day forever and ever. Priority of hope that he'll deliver us from all evil. Paul writes in that same uh, part, he says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. Verse 18, rescue me from every evil deed. He knows he's about to have his head chopped off. Roman law, he has been sentenced to be executed and the sword of Roman law will come down upon him and separate his head from his body. And yet the Lord will deliver me from every evil deed. So he doesn't see that as evil. He sees his time is over and it's now time for him to be ushered into the heavenly kingdom. He has a a view of evil much like Joseph who said, what you meant for harm, God intended for good to accomplish what is now happening. It's so easy for us at times to get caught up in things that are unsettling our lives, that are causing pain or suffering and think, this is an evil God, why aren't you delivering me? And it's because what he sees for good, you may not find comfortable. But it's to accomplish his good work in the kingdom. This mindset changes lifestyle. This this mindset changes how we live. When we begin to look to the future kingdom, to the, the return of Christ, it changes how we live today. It makes us more willing to take risks that we may not have taken it makes us more, more willing to, to say we don't have to chase the things that our neighbors are chasing because there's a kingdom that's far more lasting than a new car or a shiny house. That there is a, a kingdom far more joyous and grand than the greatest of vacations. And so it changes how we live. It changes how we spend our money. It changes how we interact with people. When we keep our eyes forward on that second coming when we prioritize hope. But he also says that a priority of action, that 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 hope, that presence of God and the appearing of Christ that we're to to look towards should lead Timothy to do something. And by extension for us, he says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, They will accumulate for themselves teacher to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Timothy, preach the word. The word here is is linked to the word deposit in 2 Timothy 1.14 that he's to guard that's been given to him. What is that? It's it's his salvation. It's the Holy Spirit. He's, He's to preach the good news, the gospel. And we see preach and you think, well, Marty, you're called to preach. I'm not may be called that way. And that might be true. You may not be called to to walk up the steps and get into the pulpit, but you as a believer have been called to proclaim the good news of the gospel. St. Clair Ferguson in our bulletin says that, you know, Denny read it, I'll read it for us again, that the, the only time that folks might, that's somewhere in here, 
The people we know will ever see the transforming grace of God is in our lives and characters. But the only way they're going to hear about it is if you tell them. And so it's a call to action. In season and out of season. When it's convenient and when it's not. And it's often not, if we're honest with ourselves, right? Even when it is convenient, we like to think that it's not convenient. So we can just walk past it, leave it for someone else to do. But, but, but when we don't make action a priority, we miss out on the opportunity to experience the joy of being a part of the work of the kingdom. God doesn't need you to accomplish the work of the kingdom, but he's invited you to be a part of the work of the kingdom and the joy that comes with being a part of it. And so when we don't take the action, when we don't step out in faith to share the gospel, when we don't take that moment to proclaim it in season and out of season, we miss the opportunities he's given us to enjoy and partake in that joy. Think about that. To be ready at every possible opportunity to preach the gospel, to proclaim the life saving grace of God found in Christ. Now, now, hear that where I said every possible opportunity. There are obviously times and places where it's not appropriate or not an opportunity for you to proclaim the gospel or to preach the gospel or proclaim or speak into someone's life. I don't want you to, to, to become the, the social outcast of the neighborhood because you just won't shut up and meet people where they're at and love them and care for them. But you're just the person who walks around all the time with a track in their pocket to share the faith. They go hand in hand. Sinclair's words about the transforming power that will be seen in our lives and character has to be linked with the spoken word, written word of God proclaiming to them Christ. And so there will be times where there's not an opportunity even though you're with them. That takes a great deal of wisdom but it doesn't give us an excuse to always walk away because it's not an opportunity. There are times where the Lord will lay things on your heart and you'll think, Lord, I don't want to do this right now. Lord, if I do this right now, you know what it's going to cost me. And he's just inviting you to step out in action. There will be times because of our lives, because of our words, because of what we believe and what we proclaim that we no longer sit at the cool kid's table. And that's okay. More often than not, the kids that aren't sitting at the cool kids' table are having a lot more fun in life. It's not just a priority of hope or of action. It's one of priority of, of passing on the mission from generation to generation. Paul writes in verses 6 to 8, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, therefore, is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He's being poured out as a drink offering. His time has come. He knows the end is near. And so he's writing this charge to Timothy so that Timothy might be the one who takes up the mission now. Timothy, it's your turn. Timothy, I've only got a little bit more time and then I'm gone, but you've got to carry on, Timothy. And he gives this threefold example. The, I've, I've fought the fight. I've run the race. I've kept the faith. They're all the same thing. They're just said different ways so that everyone can understand what he's saying. 
I grew up uh, in, in, the, in the 80s, and in the late 80s, early 90s, I, was, um, I wasn't really allowed to watch a lot of WWF wrestling, but I would every once in a while get a chance to, to watch it, or my friends would have, you know, little characters, but I, I loved Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, he carried an American flag and a, a two-by-four. But my absolute favorite were these two characters. They were bald, and their, their entrance, they would just come out, and they would just... They walked everywhere like this. And if you know WWF, you know who I'm talking about, the Bushwhackers. And they were crazy and they were silly and they made funny faces, but they were a tag team. If you don't know what that means, that means that one of them was losing too badly or they had gotten too tired. They would run into the corner and they would tag in their teammate to come on in and take over the fight. That's what Paul's doing. I've fought my fight, Timothy. Tag, you're in. Or, 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 or the race analogy. It's like a marathon, but it's also like a relay race. You know, Harry used that language when, when he was finishing his time here, that he wanted to pass the baton on to who else, to, to the next person who would lead the church. One of our, our students runs on, on the relay race, and you know, you all have your particular leg that you run. You just run one part of it. And uh, their, their team was, was behind, was losing when he got the baton. And they were one place out of placing high enough to go to the state. So this is the regional track meet and the state meet was the next one. They had to finish fourth or, or above to go. And he, he got, got the baton, it was his turn, and he began to run. And, and when you watch the video, it looks like the guy that's ahead of him continues to pull away. Down the back stretch, it looks like the guy's pulling away. He rounds the third turn. As they round the fourth turn, somehow he, he gets this kick and he picks it up and he, 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 he's running and he runs and he passes the other guy and he leads his team onto the state meet. That's what Paul envisions. Paul envisions passing on the baton to Timothy and Timothy taking up the race and running harder and faster and longer than he did for the sake of the kingdom. We have a lot of Pauls and Timothys in this room this morning. A lot of you who have run a lot more of the race than a lot of us. And for the sake of the mission, you've got to pass it on. You're not done, that some of you might feel like you are, but realize that, that Paul is still on mission days or weeks before his death. He didn't say, well, I'm an empty nester now, so I, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm done. You can just enjoy quiet home. I'm retired. I just get to fish and play golf and play with my grandkids. I don't need to worry about that anymore. No, that's not how it works. It's a priority that you pass it on. You have accumulated wisdom and knowledge and faith that we long for. Who are you passing it on to? Who are you raising up? That's what Paul had done with Timothy. This wasn't one letter. This is the second one that we have. But what we know is that he had walked with Timothy. He invited Timothy on mission trips with him. He invited Timothy to walk on life with him. He trained Timothy. He discipled Timothy. He poured into Timothy so that when this moment came, Timothy was ready to carry on the mission. Those of us that are, that are, are younger and less seasoned in life, we've got to be willing and ready to take that baton. We also have to be willing and ready to listen to the wisdom of those who are more seasoned in the faith to those who are older. They have knowledge that we long for. I know, you know, how do you raise kids? I ain't got a clue. How do you live out your faith each and every day in your vocation? How do you steward the blessings God has given you for the sake and the work of the kingdom? 
Those that are more seasoned in life have failed and succeeded many times over at those things. They have tales to tell, but wisdom to pass on that the mission might continue. Who are you investing in that you might pass on the mission? God buries workers every day, but the work of God continues because the mission is passed on. Lastly, though, is the priority of the gospel. It's not explicit here in the passage, but it's explicit in all of Paul's dealings with Timothy. That Timothy is to keep before him foremost the gospel, the good news of Christ's life and death and resurrection, the work that has been accomplished for him. We often think of the gospel as something that justifies us and that we move on to as we get older in the faith. But Paul even here says that it was the Lord that stood by him and it was the Lord that strengthened him. And dynamo, this inner strength that he was given, this, this emotional and mental and physical fortitude to carry on the mission comes not from himself. It comes from the Lord. It's the priority of the gospel. And, and we know from Paul's writings to Timothy that when the, the gospel becomes not the thing that we're focused on and not the priority that we have and we fall on one side or the other, that we fall into legalism or licentiousness. Paul writes in, in the letters to Timothy of others who have fallen away or who haven't received the good news or their message because the gospel is not the centrality. It's not the priority that they're focused on. When we lose focus on the gospel, we move on from Christian mission to something else. Whether we fall into being too woke or we fall into being a Christian nationalist, mixing up the church with our nation. We, we celebrate this day our freedom, the blessing that we have from God to gather even this morning for worship. But there is far greater freedom found in the gospel. And I know that because there are people around this world who suffer for it who risk everything to gather as we have to worship. And when the gospel is the priority in our lives, when, when, when it is the thing that we continue to march towards and look towards, it changes us. It strengthens us as it strengthened Paul there, but as it changed Timothy. Timothy, when, when we first hear about him, is just a little boy. We don't know how old he is. I use little boy a little loosely there. He's a young man. Young enough that the church was a little bit worried about him leading them. So older teenager, maybe? Does he have, is he old enough? Is he mature enough? Paul, are you sure? But not only was he young, he was a coward. Right? He, he, he was timid and fearful. Second Timothy, he, he, he writes, the, the, the spirit, the Lord did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, right? So this is Paul's last words to him, his charge to him. And then it's over. What happens to Timothy as he stays on mission, as he keeps the, the, the gospel, the priority in his life that he marches towards? Well, he changes. Some 30 years later after this letter, there is a procession in Ephesus, the place that Timothy was continually sent back to and that he settled in as the pastor of. So procession to the goddess Diana, pagan god of Rome, the progressing and the processing down the, the main road and out steps at this point an older man, Timothy. And he stops them and interrupts them to proclaim the gospel to them, to preach 
the word to them at every opportunity. No longer is he fearful, no longer is he timid. And as he steps out and proclaims it, the crowd does not respond well. They seize him and drag him and beat him and stone him to death. But the gospel had changed Timothy. And the the horizon that he looked toward meant that he would take a risk and even risking his own life. Not just his comfort, but his life for the sake of the mission to proclaim Christ. See, the gospel leads us to have more concern for Christ and the mission than it does for ourselves and our comfort. And so as we continue on in Missions Month, let's not lose sight of the fact that it is the gospel that sent many of our missionaries, all of our missionaries, into the field. It is the gospel that sustains them there. But it's the power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit that is accomplishing God's work in the kingdom. Because it changes you. It changes your heart. It changes my heart. It changes the hearts of those who hear it with ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that have been made ready by the work of the Spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come this morning rejoicing. Rejoicing at the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Rejoicing that it is you who strengthen us. It is you who send us. It is you who sustain us by your grace, by your mercy, and by your love. May we be a people who make the gospel a priority in our lives for the sake of the mission and of Christ. Amen.